Okay, we have arrived. It is not quite Super Bowl week just yet. Uh, we still have one more week to go until we get there, but I guess we can technically call this our first of two Super Bowl shows. This is the NFL show powered by BetUS. I am your host, Jared Smith. I have my trusted panelists with me, as always, Steve Fezzik, pregame.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. And, of course, Las Vegas Chris. As always, pal, follow him on Twitter at, what is it, LVC Sports? Sorry if Las I'm getting Vegas that. Las Vegas Chris without an H. Las Vegas. Oh yeah, that's right. No H. That's what I'm. That's what I'm always forgetting. It's the no H. So follow him on Twitter at Las Vegas Chris. Guys, um, it's going to be a bit of a different show, right, than we normally do. No picks. No real, uh, you know, sharp analysis on the lines and everything like that. We're going to try to make this a little bit more big picture and try to frame where the Super Bowl is. Uh, but before we can do that, we have to look back to what we saw last week and the two championship games. Um, on Sunday. But before any of that could get started, let's take care of the housekeeping. Of course, like, subscribe to the channel. Lots of content here on BetUS, college basketball, NBA, um, and of course, uh, well, baseball show coming back soon too. Um, golden ticket reminder, we are actually giving away the Tough Truck next weekend, I believe, is the uh, giveaway, but you can still do one more um, or two more weeks of, uh, of trying to get a free entry into that Tough Truck challenge. Of course, you could do that by um, picking which one of us has the golden ticket. Um, and we will give that away at the end of the show. You can also become a BetUS super fan for 99 cents a month, get priority access um, in the chat. All right, all that nonsense is over. Let's uh, look back now at what was a very interesting weekend. Um, first, our betting records um, for the season. It wasn't a great week for us, guys. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I am still proud to say I think we are still above 500 on the season, which is uh, really good. I personally went one and four. Um, not great. All right, let's uh, let's talk about last week. Uh, Fez, I'll, I'll give you first crack. Um, Chiefs beat the Ravens, uh, cover the spread, obviously, as an outright dog. Game stays under. Niners beat the Lions, uh, but it was Detroit that covered. What was your biggest takeaway from Conference Championship Sunday? Somehow Lamar Jackson went from, like, a sprinter to a slow dude, um, specifically in pre-production. Yeah, I, I did bet Lamar Jackson. We lost with his rush yards over. And frankly, he broke containment on a on a short yardage play, broke through the line, and stupid me, freeze it at that point in time. If you asked me, how many more yards is he going to gain once he got through the line? I'd say 40. Maybe it gets run down like when he gets into the red zone. And literally, he starts looking to the right and left. And I know the other the defender had a full head of steam, but um, that was the oddest thing ever. Like, like I would have laid minus 2,000 that there's no way Jackson's going to get tackled in the next eight yards, and yet he did. And ultimately, that's the play that cost me my bet. That certainly cost Baltimore. Um, Ravens, you know, so you hate to say this, but sometimes you're just unlucky. So I can make a case. Certainly Kansas City was the right side, but th these teams should have been heading to overtime. And they just, they blew it in the red zone. Lamar, maybe this isn't luck, bad interception, and then the unlucky fumble. And so a confluence of bad things that ultimately resulted in Kansas City winning fairly easily. Hmm. Chris, what was your biggest takeaway from Sunday? I was, uh, I could not fathom how every aspect of that team Baltimore was unprepared in every facet of the game. It was just, they were... Uh, playing not to lose, uh, they they were not prepared properly. Uh, they just looked completely out of sorts. They weren't unable to make any adjustments. They didn't even allow Kansas City to score in the second half, and they still can't yeah. even sniff a win. It's 
uh, entirely unexpected because this team was pretty darn good. Did we uh, determine 11 uh, above 500 teams that they beat by yeah. 14 or more throughout the course I think of the nine, season? nine, but they beat 11 winning okay. teams. I like mean, nine of them were by two touchdowns plus. I mean, that was embarrassing. I mean, that's yeah. where you – they lost their defensive coordinator today. He's uh, the head, new head coach of uh, the Seattle Seahawks, age 36. But uh, I, I just don't know what you do with Baltimore. If you're a Baltimore fan, you just have to be so disappointed and uh, uh, disillusioned uh, because you had – everything you needed and you did not show up and kansas city did a lot of stuff well uh you know they they seem to be improving and they show up in the playoffs unexpectedly uh their defense is underrated uh, they they do what they have to do and baltimore was never sniffing a victory and that was very surprising to me the yeah. penalties were shocking the dumbo yes. penalties where, you know, so I don't care if someone spits on you. I don't care what they do. You you don't get 15 yards away because you want to show you're, you're being disrespected or whatever. And ultimately, almost 100 yards in, in penalties against Baltimore. And remember, the refs are trying not to make the yellow canaries fly. They're looking for reasons not to throw the flags. But at some point, you have to. And so only three penalties against Kansas City. So that was a big deal. Discipline versus undisciplined team. And they were always egregious. I mean, there was no disputing it. They, they were horribly stupid, dumb penalties by veterans. And I, I just don't understand how they could put themselves in that position. And uh, I'll, I'll say it again. I, I said it at the beginning of the year. I ding Baltimore one point per every week for Harbaugh being the coach. I think he's by far, there's not even a close number two uh, overrated head coach. The, wow. this, it, I, I don't know how this guy... Who he has photos of to stay head coach. I, I really don't because this team is underachieved and fouled up and blown leads and lost games they shouldn't for several years. And it's it's ridiculous. You need a change. You really do. Hmm. So it seems like both of you guys, that AFC game really was a shock. And it was a shock to me, too. I, I was on the Ravens. I, I, I thought the market was clearly telling us the Ravens were the better team and we were getting a discount on them at three and a half until a little bit later in the week when, when it got steamed up. I, I need a federal probe, like one of those like 30 for 30 documentary types about Todd Munkin's game plan. Like I, I, I need to know if it was panic, right? They go down early and the Chiefs offense maybe looks a little bit better early than maybe Munkin and the Ravens expected. So maybe they panic and completely abandon the run or they were just dumb, like stupid. Like I, I, I hope... I hope it's it's the panic part because then you can at least try to wrap your head around why they just didn't run the ball. If it's the game plan and they were trying to like outsmart Kansas City, like, oh, they know we're going to run it. I know we're going to run it. So let's just do the opposite of what got us there all year. Like, I don't know how you explain, Fezzik, what took place with that Ravens game plan. Yeah, Mark Holmes mentions they abandoned the run game. It, it's almost like, what, what is that, a princess bride? Where, where they, 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 inconceivable. And it's like, it's like <laughs> I, I do not think that that word abandoned means what we think it means. Abandoned, I believe, is, is, is something, well, I guess you could say in the context that they ran all year and then they abandoned it in this game. But, I mean, they never ran it to even start the game. I mean, it, was, it wasn't like they started running yeah. and then said enough of that. 
And I, I do think there's something going on. And, and Las Vegas, Chris, you mentioned it, you know, Harbaugh, you know, too big for his britches. And like, it's, it's like they know that we're going to run and yeah. we know they're going to put eight guys in the box. But because they know that we're going to do this, we are going to adjust and throw the ball more, but they know we might over just and throw the ball more. And so they know that. And now they're going to be looking out for the pass. They know that we will know this is what, what this is a movie um, under siege to dark territory. Everybody knows (laughs) run the ball. Yeah, that was, that was my biggest takeaway. Um, All right, Chris, I'll give you a chance here. We didn't talk about the lions game. We can, if you want, or we could just completely move on from it and erase it from the memory banks, like the men no, in black flashy thing. I'm actually extremely pleased with what happened. Okay. Tell me more. Diehard Lions fan, I realistically did did not believe that the team was Super Bowl worthy. I wanted them to I thought that they were talented enough to belong and not embarrass themselves. That's what I wanted. It, you have a team with a kicker that can't kick, you have no secondary, you have the third youngest team in the NFL, and you can't be disappointed that you lose to San Francisco by three in the conference championships. Uh, all the people that I know that rooted in Detroit are just moping and moping and moping. I'm like, this is great. This is absolutely, you wanted them to face this adversity in big game situation. Because if they had gone in to play Baltimore, we didn't want to see that game anyway. Uh, they would have gotten blown out again. They can't cover a running quarterback. And yep. uh, if they went in and played uh, Kansas City, I think you've got a big coaching mis- mismatch there. You've got uh, a, p- a personnel that is has unbelievable big game experience. Revenge mode would have been uh, for Kansas City. I don't think it would have been a great matchup for Detroit anyway. Would you want to go to the Super Bowl and – and, and embarrass yourself, which I don't necessarily say they would. Or do you want to, you know, go, you know, do you want a little uh, stepping stone, so to speak, of getting up yeah. to that next level and having to live with some heartbreak, uh, knowing yep. you lost a game you could have won? So I'm, it, you've got Ben Johnson coming back. That this tells you the character of this team yeah. that they're building something special. They're in the top 10 of available cap space. Uh, they've got their coaches basically staying for the most Great part. offensive line. The, the future's bright. This isn't a one-and-done type of situation. Yeah. I agree. I'm not Pez, sure. Do you want to follow up on I, that? I agree. There's a lot to like. You know, there's a lot to like about the Packers also, and they reside in the sure. same division. So that will be fascinating to see, you know, as far as season wins next year, maybe Detroit's a Who 10. Who do you think's favored Packers- to win the division? Detroit, but by a lot? They were odds on this year. I think Detroit should win 10, uh, Green Bay nine and a half. So Detroit would be, you know, favored, you know, to win the division. But not odds on. Because that but was not the big hang this year. They were um, odds on to win the division. That was more weakness with the rest of the teams, though, I think. My, my take was Detroit for most of the end of the first half and for most, the majority of the third quarter, they were about an eight, nine point favorite. The script had flipped. So uh, to be fair for Dan Campbell, Going in, you're thinking, variance is my friend. I'm a seven and a half point underdog. I'm going to Sean Payton this thing. I'm going to, like when he did it in the Super Bowl and beat Peyton Manning, let's do an onside kick. Let's fake punts. Let's go for it on fourth down. Let's do everything we can to increase the variance of the game, increase the tails, get it away from, we're supposed to lose by eight. But now we're supposed to win by eight. Everything has changed by the end of the first half. 
now we don't need to like take unnecessary risks. I know he's done it all year long and that's his mantra, but he was correct at the end of the half. I think they're like on the three and a half yard line. I think they get the touchdown three sevenths of the time. Yeah. So if they go for it, it's worth three points in expectation. If they did it seven times, I think they'd get three touchdowns and they'd fail four times. That's 21 points. Or they could just kick the field goal seven times. 21 points. It's the same. So it's You're an eight-point favorite. Take the three. Take the short thing. Stay ahead. It's like a blackjack tournament. I've got the chip lead. Let me just yeah. keep keep the lead and I win. And I think where he made his he made two mistakes. One was end of the third quarter. When he's up 14, same thing. I know the kicker only makes it 80% of the time because it's not a good kicker. He still he, makes no, it he way more than... No, he doesn't make it 80% from, from, from where that kick would have been. He's under 50%. Yeah, no, no, way. Like like I'll bet I'll bet 100,000 he makes a 47-yarder um, more than half the time. But you're right. Directionally, it, I may be too high. Maybe he only makes it 68%. 70. I think if you looked at, yeah. at his stats... I think he's perfectly good 40 to 49 for like 75%. Yeah, but I thought it was not, 70% was what I saw. So somewhere yeah, in that that's range. That's fine. That's the, yeah. uh, so, but the point is you go up three scores, you reduce variance. Hey, if yeah. you were trailing, you go for it. So I thought that was the wrong call. But by the fourth quarter, when he was trailing by three and had a similar situation, yeah. that's the right call. Now all of a sudden you're supposed to lose again. Now you increase variance and you go for it. He And he did, and they dropped the ball. That's a so much that more high-pressure kick too, right, Fez? When Absolutely. you're up 14 so, I mean, I, in the first half or in the third quarter compared to you're down three in the fourth quarter, much higher pressure kick. Yeah, so maybe it makes it 66% instead of 70%. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, the, there's a lot of spinning wheels and it's close calls, analytics. But the bottom line, I've been preaching this. I'm like shouting at the rain, like literally they're on the goal line and someone has to come on and say, that was I'll explain why later you cannot run the ball. I'll explain yeah. later. You got to throw. Unless yeah. you are ninety nine percent sure early, you're going right? to score, right? Or, well, really, or kick it on third down. Yeah. What about you kicking can... it there on third down, Fez? That was another thing I, I heard that no, I thought no, was no, no, that's stupid. I, I'm sorry, I use the word stupid. It's but it's stupid. Kick on third down. That same okay. thing. Like on the, I heard kick, kick the field goal. You're down ten. Even if you kick a field goal, you're down seven. You still need a stop. Sure. You need a touchdown, and then you need a two point conversion. So it's no lock. You win, even if everything goes right. But the point is. When you're on the 24, I'm fine with throwing. If you if you want to kick on third down, throw to the end zone a couple times. It's only going to take 12 yeah. seconds. Same thing. Throw on third down. It takes four seconds off the clock. And, and when yeah. you think about it, it makes sense. If you bet San Fran on the money line and you've got the ball on the two-yard line in the red zone, you're like, please, God, kick the field goal. Yeah. Thank you. I could lose if you score a touchdown. I'm probably not losing if you kick a field goal. Um, but they just, I mean, you, you can't run the ball unless you, you're going to make it over 90% of the time. And guess what? No one is ever going to make it over 90%. And these guys are too smart for their own good. We see this all the time. We see coaches call draws on third and 10. I don't care how open the field is. It's never right. It never works. Um, so you, you've got to go basic strategy. Run the ball on fourth down fine if you, if you do choose to go for it. And I'm fine going for it or kicking the field goal. It's not that big of a difference. But the third down run is, is just egregiously all wrong. Yeah, that, that was the one that stood out to me too. It seems like we're all kind of in agreement that if you separate the two games, the Ravens lost. The Chiefs won, but the Ravens really lost. In the second game, I think neither team really lost it. I think the Niners just kind of won it at the end, and you give a ton of credit to Detroit. And Dan Campbell's not just big, he, he's not this big sucker. Like he kind of stood stood true to what he was for most of the year. You well, know, the Chris only really Mon egregious play. He's Chris Moneymaker. When yeah. I'm old enough to remember some moneymaker, we you know, uh, won the World Series of Poker, two, I believe 2003 or four, and yeah, he was I like remember. the everyman. That's what he got me into that, poker. 
and and people are like, he's a dummy compared to Phil Ivey, which is true. But he's still way better than the average bear because he got the one thing that's most important, and that is he didn't just do a fit, fitter fold. I'll um I'll call raises, and if I flop my sets, Aggression. I'll play. Otherwise, I fold. And moneymaker's like, nah, I'm just gonna jam. I'm ramming jam. I'm play ultra yeah. aggressive. Um, and if I have a flush draw to the nuts and oh two over cards, I'm just gonna shove all in. And you know what? Yep. That's how how Dan Campbell plays. And most of the time, analytically, it's correct to go for it on fourth and two. So I love him from that perspective. The longest field yeah, goal it, he had this season was 41 yards. He attempted one field goal this season of 40 or more. Wow. So wow. Uh, that might have come into play a little bit on that. I, I, I totally agree with all of the calls that Campbell made with the exception of that that run at the end. And And to be perfectly fair to Campbell – that's probably a Ben Johnson call and a Jared Goff check. And my mm-hmm. guess is it didn't quite get executed properly at the line of scrimmage. So I don't really fault Dan Campbell for that. The fourth down go or no go decisions, right? Those are 100% on the head coach. Whereas like the play call at the goal line might mm-hmm. be nuanced with offensive coordinator. It could have been a check. It maybe should have been a check. So I don't want to judge that fourth down call because I don't know if that was Campbell's fault or the third down call. The no, other he ones were, he said he I, I thought, very up. positive. He said that's the biggest mistake he made. He doesn't regret the fourth down decisions, uh, but that burning that timeout was a, was a, was a bad yeah. move. I, but, but we're all in but, agreement, but, right? Future very bright for Detroit. Like we, we, we did this earlier in the week. I did a show for Reason, and, and we, they, they asked us a question. If you had to pick, like if the price didn't matter, if you just had to pick like which team is more set up for a brighter future, Lions – like of the two losers this week, Lions, Ravens, like Lions to me feel like the brighter future there. Do you guys agree? You know, I got to think, I got to think about this. That's it's tough because the, the Baltimore's a better team overall, but, but they just lost their coordinator, their top coordinator. And you know, they had an, they had a historically good season. What are the odds? They have another one back to back. Like I, I think Detroit. Like, if you would ask me who has more wins next year, I don't know. I think I might. I think I might put Detroit above Baltimore in that. In well, that Detroit conference. has that first place schedule next year, so that's going to be difficult. So they, they only play two outside <laughs> games, so uh, they get a little uh, a break there where they only have to play outdoors twice, and we don't even know whether it'll be in poor weather or not. I hmm. think they're both. And and by the way, and thanks for the the chats. We don't have a show without you guys chiming in. So 100%. I'm going to put out. I'm going to put out initial season win numbers right now. I'm gonna put okay. Detroit at ten, and I'm gonna put Baltimore at ten. So I think I, I think spot on. I yeah. think they're pretty equivalent. Obviously, really difficult division for Baltimore, but um, that division's gonna division be no getting cupcake. tougher maybe for the Lions. See exactly. what the Bears do in the draft. Exactly. So heads up, who you who you guys got Baltimore, Detroit, and also, do you think ten is too low, just right, or too high for those teams? Like I'm gonna it. guess the chat room probably is gonna say it's a little bit too low. Yeah, we got a poll here. Did Dan Campbell blow it? Um, and 58% say yes. And again, that I, I don't think that's the right take. I mean, that, that I, I voted no in the poll just when it popped up. Like, I, I don't think he blew it. Again, you could question that third down run, but I don't know if that was his call. I don't think it was. It was Ben Johnson's call. I don't know what happened and, after. And they're largely... I mean, they're largely busted at that point. I mean, they're down yeah. 10. Okay, so the yeah, ESPN like, yeah, they, analytics they're, they're, are going to— They're desperate at that point. They're desperate. Even if they score a touchdown, they're a massive underdog to you know to to, to, to win the game, even with the, the three-time The first three decisions you mentioned. 
the real backbreaker in that game, everything else was is kind of noise, but the two dropped passes by Reynolds were were just brutal. Yeah, just yes. brutal. Those were the and and also I think there was really three plays that were kind of like the Lions' inexperience showing in the moment. It was very inexperienced players making those plays. Two drops by Reynolds and the fumble by Gibbs. Like like those are the two plays that re or the three plays that really tilted that game. And it was by guys that hadn't really been prominent players and and don't have a ton of experience. So I I, I believe they're going to learn from it. I believe, and maybe someone can correct me. I believe in the ice bowl. When Green Bay beat Dallas, they had time for two plays, and they ran a quarterback sneak with no timeouts left, and they got in. And that would be an in, example. Yeah. If Jeff Ropeu had stuffed that on the half-yard line, that would have been yeah. like the greatest game's you know, over, like 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 loser call of all time. <laughs> and I'm yeah, and he didn't he didn't Bart Starr did not get in by much, you know. No. So thank God uh, they didn't have Twitter back then, right? They would have yes. Lombardi would have gotten eviscerated on Twitter back yes. in '67, right? <laughs> All right. I, I think that's a good place to tie a bow on the championship weekends. Again, we spent about 15, 20 minutes kind of digesting what we saw and, and where we see things spinning forward for the losers, right? There's two teams. And usually that's what the conversation, I always laugh the day after big games when I turn on the TV, most of the conversations, especially the NFL, you know, it's a Sunday night, Monday morning quarterback. It's always more focused on the negative stuff about the loser than it is the positive stuff about the winner, especially when like the Cowboys lose and it's one of those prominent teams. But um, it, it is important to kind of digest what we saw, figure out how to frame the market accordingly and then uh, spin it forward. So let's spin it forward. Um, the two winners. Let's talk about the winners. Super Bowl 58 uh, uh, combatants. So we have uh, 10 days still to the game's going to get played. It'll be uh, Sunday, February 11th. Actually, I guess technically on the 11th day they will play it um, at Allegiant Stadium. Chiefs and Niners. So the the, the opening number here, um, we saw Circa and Town flash Niners minus two and a half. And it was like a wave. Like they already knew the score to bet Kansas City right at the outset. And, and Fez, I heard you mention this yesterday. You, you think this is not going to last at this price, but talk a little bit first at, at the early wave of Kansas City money and kind of where that stopping point was right around Niners minus one before we saw that buyback. So let's, let's fade back to the look-ahead line, and I don't care what the look-ahead line was on the opener. So what was the line? You could, you could bet on this hypothetical matchup on Saturday three. before the games are played. Kansas City plus three. That, that was the opener, Kansas City plus three, and that's what the media is quoting, but the media is incorrect because that's – who cares? That's just what one sports book put up, all right, and then everyone yeah. copied it. And then all the pros, at least the pros that I know, said that's a stupid number. We're betting Kansas City. So we all got a piece of plus three on that look at, and ultimately that three disappeared completely. There was We didn't see any books with plus three right as Sunday morning came around. So, that, so the, the look ahead closing number was two and a half. That's what the markets deem to be correct. Now, it's a little complicated. Warning. So there's some math involved here. Danger. Math. On the hypothetical line and something the odds makers, here comes the math. The odds makers can oftentimes set a line based upon the power ratings of the two teams. And here's the mistake. Well, the Niners winning gives me no information about the Niners because they're a seven half point favorite. We don't know if they're going to do yeah. better or worse than expected if they win. But Kansas City is a four and a half point dog. So should Kansas City win, it is very reasonable to assume that their power rating must be upgraded 
going into the next week. And so I felt that that three point difference basically was priced out, assuming no change. That, that's what that's what those teams had played in the Super Bowl that day, and and they got fives into the Super Bowl. So the fact that we knew Kansas City would get upgraded, we knew San Fran would get downgraded, and that's what we we thought if that's possible, and that's why the pros took KC plus three as an automatic take. Now, ultimately, what happened? I think we can all agree. Even though San Francisco almost covered and Chris won dinner against me because he did indeed have the lines, they were the right side plus seven, and either team could have won that game. San Fran massively underachieved, the lines overachieved, and I think it's fair to say Kansas City significantly did better than we expected. So if Kansas City's much better than we expected, Niners much worse, look at line closes two and a half. How in the heck? Can the line still be two and a half? And my answer is it can't be. And that's why I agreed with the initial line move where everyone says, give me some plus two and a half. I'm not going to wait. Normally you wait. Asymmetric risk, right? Who cares if I get two or two and a half? Let's wait for a three. Well, the three is never going to materialize. So I'm going to grab the Chiefs, got bet at plus two and a half. They bet plus two. They bet all the way down to plus one. And I agreed with all this and I thought it would go to picks. So I got yet another line move wrong. Um. (laughs) Uh, you know, Flash is asking, have we ever seen, have you, have the lads seen a more evenly matched Super Bowl? I don't even know what a lad is. That's, I love that word. Um, <laughs> that's us. That, that's us. Lads. Um, well, I, I would argue, yes, the Eagles, Kansas City was about as evenly matched a Super Bowl as I think yeah, you'll ever see. It was. But this is, this is right there. And so I made Kansas City a minus 104 favorite. Take back plus 104, San Francisco. Basically, I said, Kansas City is going to win this game 50.6% of the time or something like that. Um, and I'm, mes- I'm just amazed. Here we go again. All the money came in against the Chiefs last week. Anti-Chiefs, they closed plus four and a half, and they kicked Baltimore's butt. And now here it comes again, all this money against the Chiefs. I get it. The Niners have been the better team all year long, but we're in the playoffs now, and the Chiefs have been not just better, but the much better team in the playoffs. And I'm shocked that the Niners are back out to a two-point favorite. I ask you guys, do we have books that let us open up teasers that we can leave open for like months well, we, and months we and months? we wanted to get someone to post a Hall of Fame game number, right? Right, 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 Chris? I, I, I like, just want to tease Kansas City. How do we get someone to post a number for us to tease with, ahead? Yeah, with an open spot. And I'll carry it for yeah. eight months. I don't want to get, yeah. you know, against a credit book somewhere um, or or against, you know, a sports book that allow, allows me to keep it open forever because people would obviously say, well, if Kansas City is a really good teaser, you just tease it with the total. What the problem is both these totals up or down are crappy teasers, which I would love nothing yeah. better than to get a gaming license and to book any teaser that includes those totals. And, and the best evidence I can give, if you look at the alternative lines, if you bet over 41 and a half, you're not going to have to lay minus 280. You're only, you're only going to have to lay like minus 230 and, and vice versa if you choose to go under 53 and a half. And that's why I cannot make a teaser a best bet on this game, despite the fact I love the Kansas City leg in the teaser. Mm. Chris, you know, I, did, I had the most degenerate teaser known to man the last week. I did a four leg oh. teaser on the San Francisco Detroit game and I, and I actually hit it. <laughs> Oh, you I mean all the, four ways? I went all four that ways. Is a pretty 13 points uh, and uh, under 65 and a half. It landed 65 was the only close call. <laughs> now, when you played wow. that, you did you, did you put them in together, though? I put them all together. So did, did you wow. get paid handsomely for what, what was the payout? Because oh, no, the, I, you're laying juice in that situation. But I had I had a. Uh, it was multi-purpose for me because oh. uh, I felt really confident about the sides. And All right, you're going to get 
I was essentially hedging under that I was I was trying to get off of, and uh, I figured I could protect myself of, uh, from it going over that fourth leg, and uh, that's how it worked out. You're going like to get said, mad at me. Generate one. <laughs> you're you're going to get very mad at me. Um, the uh, uh, but but I uh, the the guys are going to kick me out of the sharp union if I if I don't say it. And by the way, I used to fight with Andy Isco about this. So Andy Isco. Um, a really good guy, Vegas legend here in town, used to identify games that he would play what he called both side teasers. And he didn't get any benefit for it. So, so if a game was pick him, he teased both sides up to like plus six. All right. Because he says very likely it's going to be a very close game. And I used to scream at him. Like they're, they're, they're so anti-correlated, Andy. It's like, just, just tease team, if team A is playing team B and you think it's going to be a really close game, tease team A with the team C and team E and team Z and also team, team B with these other teams, but don't put A and B together because the second, if you tell me, Hey, team A covered the teaser. Now, all of a sudden teams B's chances of covering the teaser go down significantly because there is no chance team B won in a blowout. And so when I remove that portion of their tail, again, danger, math, lots of math in general, never tease opposite sides of a side in the same teaser because of that negative correlation. Mm. I agree. All right, let's use different teasers. Let's let's tie this back to what we're seeing in the market, guys. I love the tangents, but let's let's try to let's try to figure out: Are we going to see a pick at some point over the next, let's say, seven days before really, right? Like, is there like kind of a checkpoint for you guys where, like, if the market doesn't move by this point, it's probably not going to move? Like, I, I'm just trying to like frame the 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 way that the market moves during a Super Bowl bye week compared to, let's say, the week of the game. I don't think it's coming off two. I think it's going to stay to um, one well-known winning gambling service, or at least certainly winning very much before this year, gave out San Fran <laughs> minus one and a half. And these guys are not dummies. They're a huge syndicate. They bet no, big. They they're win not big. Dummies. And, and, they, and they were laying one and a half. So if, if it was going to go to pick, how stupid are they, that they like, oh, let me cut in line to get to this and be able to lay my minus one and a half and give it out to my clients. So I think the lowest the Niners can get is minus one half. And like I said, there's no way that the Chiefs can ever get the plus three because the pros, Mark Holmes says, I've been wrong on line moves in the playoffs. Spot on, Mark. Although I did, to be fair, the game I got wrong in my betting, I I did get the line move right with Detroit because I did go to seven and a half. So I did get that. I did predict, you know, that that at seven that the Niners, you know, would see action. Yeah, seven was a good bet on the Niners. Like I, I uh, anyone I, that I, laid I, San Francisco flat minus seven, I thought it was a pretty you made a pretty good bet. I'm gonna say seven was beat the closing line. I, I'm not gonna go as far as to say it was a good bet because I watched the game and they and they never had a sniff of covering. Yeah, it. yeah. When I say good bet, I mean like in terms of the bet you made compared to the closing lump number. That's what I mean by good bet. You didn't make by a the winning way, bet. You made a good bet. <laughs> Flash Flash is coming in saying great question and, and like I love this whole Flash's boardroom. How do I get into yeah, this that is boardroom? The first time Flash has watched the show all year. I haven't seen you in the chat room all year. I am Flash. volunteering Jeez. to be like the lowest guy that got gets into that boardroom. I will make the coffee flash if I can somehow find my way into your oh, boardroom. Stop. 
Let's do it. Oh, um, but to answer the right, question, so, which so is your final a, prediction is this number never reaches pick, doesn't even reach Niners minus one, one it, and a it half. It trades between one and a half and two and a half. It would not surprise me if if if, if, if it gets to two and a half. There's no chance it goes to three. But I'm going to say if it gets to one and a half, there's no chance it now it now goes down to one. So it's going to be. And this is why this is the one time a year um, betting exchanges are never going to become popular. They're, they don't have a nearly enough offerings. They don't have nearly enough things that people want. But the one right. time of the year to make a bet on with the betting exchange is the Super Bowl. We're literally, it's painted to everywhere. It's, do you want to pay like, you know, a dollar for your gas or $10? Do you want to lay a dollar 10 or you want to lay a dollar one? I think I want to lay a one on one. So that would be my recommendation for, for this being the ultimate, what we call Island game of the year where there's only yeah. one game and one event going on. And I think it's going to stay a solid two. Chris, do you I, agree I with that? It, was market? Flip, uh, it, w- it would have flipped. Uh, I thought that they would run it up to one, one and a half to see if, uh, uh, so, because I think people would uh, want to do something teaser wise, some way, somehow on both sides. So, uh, I, that, that, that's, but I agree with Steve. I think it pretty much settles there. I'm a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know where that total is going to finish. I mean, it, that it, was it, my follow-up question. We it, discussed it, it, it briefly that we thought under just based off of your model, right? Like your model says under, but tough to go under in a Super Bowl. Whether you've only had one Super Bowl since 2011 with a total that's closed at below 47. So it's, and I think three since 2003. So it's not, it's not very common that you get a total below where it is now. Uh, people like to bet the over and they generally, and the Super Bowls do, you know, seem to be higher scoring. And I do hmm. see one local book that is still dealing on my, at least on my screen, a 48 and a half, a little standalone recreational book in Las Vegas. And th- I think that says, they're basically like, hey, our clientele is going to bet over, so we're going to get, into, yeah. you know, they're going to bet over no matter what number I put up, so I'm just going to put it up a point higher than everybody else. And th- I think that's a harbinger of things to come where, you know, one thing that people don't discuss, routinely I see Vegas dealing totals on Super Bowls three quarters of a point higher than the marketplace. So example, if the sharpest books in the world deal 47 like the circas the pinnacles obviously the bet us's of, of, of the world if they're all 47 and you ask me well what what's what's the total going to be in vegas bet us is 47 48 all right it's going to be either 47 and a half. half or 48 intermittently and there's and there might not even be a 47 in vegas but here's the follow-up fez and this is where it gets weird the super bowl is in vegas this year does that change the dynamics at all? It's a great question. And remember, the, the players are staying in Lake Las Vegas. If you've never been to um, Las Vegas, on the way towards um, Hoover Dam, uh, there's this beautiful, pristine uh, community. Celine Dion used to live out there, and that's where the players are staying. But the media and everyone else, well, the stadium is right across the street from Mandalay Bay, and those are all MGM properties. The, at Mandalay Bay, the Luxor, Excalibur, um, New York, New York, etc. So if there's one book that I think is going to get inundated, totally people agree. literally are going to be walking, they're attending the Super Bowl over the pedestrian bridge and they're going to stop off. Well, those are all MGM books and yep. you know they're going to bet overs. So wouldn't surprise Caesars, me. I think you MGM put Caesars doesn't... in there too, right, Fez? You got Flamingo and Caesars right there. Like I think Caesars kind of gets a little bit of it too. 
Oh yeah, and Caesars always has shuttle buses yeah. of their VIPs that are leaving. You know, at on that flamingo. Those are entrance. the two shops I was curious that how they would handle the number were Caesars and MGM. Yeah, because so of the, think, because of the Super Bowl being here factor. Yes. Now the one factor that is differentiates them is that one book um, takes really big bets on their app, and one book doesn't. And so the MGM, if you want to bet big on on, on the game, you're going to have to do it in person, and that's more likely to to, to move the number. You know, yeah. there locally up to the 48. So um, long story short, if you like the under, come to Vegas and bet, like <laughs> go, go, fight through the line, the 45 minute line to get to the window and you'll no, get a good number. No lines. Go to and the if kiosk, you li- right? No, line my butt. And, you know, there's no, I went to a book and they're not putting rotation numbers. I'm, I'm literally like screaming at poor Caesars. Oh, wow. I'm like, you're not going to have rotation numbers on your prop bets. Do you know how difficult it's going to be? And they're like, oh, we can just look it up. And I said, all what? right, good, good. Look this prop up for me. And they couldn't find it. You know, it's Chris, like, it's too you've been in Vegas a long time. Literally, Las Vegas is in your handle. Like, frame this for me. The Super Bowl is going to be here in 11 days. Like, it is insane, right? Pure it's- insanity. It used to be come to Vegas and have a great time. Now, you know what? I might wait till March Madness because... If you want to even sit in a sports book, you're going to have to like pony up some big bucks to be yeah, able to even get $500 plus for seats just to sit yeah. in a sports in uh, a lot yeah. of sports books. Uh, All the table but, minimums are going to go up, right? 25 oh, bucks minimum on the strip. Yeah. Absolutely. If you if you do want to watch the big game in Vegas, I'll throw out even though I'm not allowed to bet there. Um, but I got friends. Um, the South yeah. Point and, and the Westgate are like excellent choices. They're a little bit off strip. But yeah. um, have much bigger capacity, and they have showrooms. They open up, and I'm sure even if they charge, it'll be a modest amount. Um, as opposed to if you're gonna if you're gonna take in this game at a Bellagio or or an Aria or a place like that, uh, you're you're gonna have to pay handsomely to get a seat in a sports book. I think what we'll, what we'll miss the most is how before the DraftKings and the FanDuel's used to pump these props out on Monday mornings. Uh, yeah. They would they would come out with the sheets on Thursday, and they would intentionally put bad lines in there because they knew everybody else was going to copy them, and they they wanted to you know they wanted to watch these players you know stick it to these other casinos they weren't doing their own work and uh, uh, so they were intentionally making bad lines on those sheets uh, so but I don't, I don't think we see that as much anymore but I do want to remind people to be extremely careful when reading all the Super Bowl props about the exact wording because you get a lot of Super Bowl props with very similar wording that ha- that mean different things. So uh, you want to be 100% clear of what you're betting. Example, if you bet a player to have under, you know, two and a half catches and he plays on special teams and he catches nothing, did he house. go under or do you have no action? Well, house rules. No, Reed, you know, do, does he need a reception for, you know, for it to count? And there's lots of different caveats on bets on things like that. So, so, so absolutely 100% buyer beware, by the way, for those who don't have the history of prop betting, you can go all the way back to the bears, the Super Bowl shuffle, mid 1980s, William, the refrigerator, Perry, open up like 50 to one to score a touchdown, despite he had like four touchdowns in the regular season. And it's rumored that Ditka wanted to stick it to the Vegas books. And instead of giving hall of famer 
Walter Payton the ball, he decided to give Clemson um, graduate the ref- the fridge the ball, who ultimately did score in that 46 to 10 pasting of the Patriots. And then what happened is that a little hole in the wall place, it's the link now, Imperial Palace. No reason to bet the Imperial Palace except for they were the ones that originated all the proposition betting. So everyone else had like 10 oh. bets. They had like 200. So you go up there and Jay Cornegay was, you know, running the book and then he moved over to the Westgate now. And so that was the place to go. And on the board, lead pencils, they'd write all these hundreds of props that you could bet. And they took it over to the Westgate. And so like Chris was mentioning, the Westgate used to be first to market on Thursday where they come out with all these props and everyone would would not do any work and they'd just copy every one of the props. So what the Westgate would do on their board, on their electronic board, they'd have they'd have it written correctly, but there'd always be a typo. There'd always be a typo on the written sheets that they would hand out to and other books would pick up. And like one time they famously said, which will happen first? You know, will the Rams score first or punt? But instead of punt, they wrote on the sheet punt twice. So people put in there, guess what? Greatest show on turf is probably going to score before they punt twice. So they stuck it to every book that was just copying off of their sheets. Yeah, there, I, I could do a whole podcast on just the history of me betting the Super Bowl and, and kind of the things that I like to look at. I think the, the good place to take this conversation now is some of the myths and some of the trends and some of the things that we are going to hear over the next couple of weeks. Um, and if it really matters or not, right? Like we heard it last week with Sean Smith, the referee, uh, you know, that is has this crazy record against home teams. Well, didn't really matter, I think, in terms of how the game played out. I don't think Sean Smith really had a deciding factor at all um, in that game. So let's get into it, right? I, I think one of the one of the things that I I always hear is just you know the experience factor and the coaching and that kind of situation. I think that is something that matters, but you're going to hear a first-time quarterback Brock Purdy playing in a Super Bowl. You know, Kyle Shanahan has been there before. Obviously, all the Chiefs have been there before, but a lot of those Niners players uh, aren't on the team that were from that Super Bowl run a few years ago. So let's talk about the experience of the coaching staffs and how much you think the experience of a certain staff matters or not when you are getting ready for a Super Bowl. Well, you do have the father-son combo with uh, Shanahan and McCaffrey's uh, kids there on the go. same team trying to do it again. I, I thought that's pretty interesting. Hmm. I, I certainly think it's coaching? an advantage to have gone through the whole two-week schedule. And obviously, yeah. and Andy Reid is the master of doing well off the bye anyways. Um, and the distractions advantage Kansas city comes to Vegas every year. So that's an advantage that, you know, yep. um, although they probably just fly in, you know, and I don't know if the players, you know, even go well, out. Well, They probably never stayed in Lake Las Vegas before. I'm guessing uh, that prob- has never happened. Yeah. And I, I think that mitigates the whole Vegas impact because I agree. Um, the, I mean, there, there's, there's two very modest casinos, I, I, at most, there might only be one now that's open in Lake yeah. Las Vegas. It's not a place you can really get into much they trouble. They can't in. gamble anyways. The NFL said no gambling. The, the oh. players, even former players, can't bet on sports. They can only walk through the sports book. The but former can, players I, can bet casino games, but the current players can't bet anything. I can't, I can't bet Baccarat? I can't play The current craps. players believe- are not allowed to gamble on anything. The former really? players can bet on the table. The NFL sent out a long memo. It's mm. kind of funny to me because last year I don't think they sent out the memo. But did they realize last year that like Arizona is also a legal sports betting state? Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the, the NFL sent out an entire memo 
of what the current players and former players can and cannot do while they are in town. Interesting. Can they yeah, can they go out have any impact on the game? I don't think. Can, can they go out to excess in excess nightclubs like <laughs> yeah, like I, till three in the morning during the the week? Probably right. <laughs> well, when you're out at Lake Las Vegas, reruns of Madlock is uh, is the highlight. Of what you're doing. <laughs> they're doing the mat. They're they're going to play the mash finale the night before the game. Everyone's going to watch. It'll be movie night. All right. The referee decisions last week, right? Who is refing the game was a big part of the discussion. Let's talk about who is refereeing this game. Bill Vinovich, our friend NFL Ref Stats, gave me a full scouting report on Vinovich last night. They would describe him as a let him play kind of referee. Um, offensive holding penalties, big decline with his crews. Um, he averages about nine, nine and a half penalties per game. That's what he called the last time he was in the Super Bowl. Um, it was actually the Chiefs Niners game. He was at nine penalties for 69 yards. So talk about the officiating, guys. How much will the officiating play a factor in this game? Can we glean over under Chiefs Niners? Is there any edge with Vinovich on the call? Well, it used to be one of the biggest advantage plays was penalties under. Yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm old enough to remember playing penalties under 13 and a half at um, Stratosphere when the market number was wow. 12 and a half. And 12 and a half was way too high. But the market, I hope we get a 10 and a half. I think 10 and a half I'd bet under here. Well, that's the number. 10 to 10 and a half has been the number that's been trending. And I think you're right. I think spot on, Jared. I think if you get double digits, you go under. Kansas City only had three penalties last week. And... Yeah. Bottom, the, the the crew is told it's not about you. It's all about Taylor Swift, of course. I mean, about the players. <laughs> and that's that, all that matters. We got a whole 45 minutes before we made our first Taylor Swift reference. I think so that's stay impressive. Taylor Swift cash is at, at minus 220 being, being discussed. But uh, like, I can only bet under on penalties. And, you know, sometimes you can get a rogue number that if they deal, you know, 10, and then instead of making it like they get cute, instead of making it, each team, like, you know, four and a half, they'll make each team like five and a half. And all of a sudden, ooh, yeah. under five and a half, starting to look yeah. pretty darn attractive. There's Chris, a great meme thoughts? out there uh, where they're showing the, the two great power couples uh, celebrating after the game. And it shows Taylor and Kelsey hugging. And then it shows Mahomes kissing a referee. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. It is a funny graphic, but I mean, like I, the Ravens did that to themselves, right? All right, so I, I think I think the Vinovich I think the Vinovich angle is something that is bettable, right? We do this segment bettable or forgettable. Like I, I do think if you get a ten or a ten and a half on a penalties number, I think Vinovich's style leads to a natural under there, and that's kind of the officiating I see in the game. All right, but like what what are your favorite like overall general trend props that you like to look at? In the Super Bowl, Fez, I know for you, the second half total and how it compares to the first half total is like a go to every year. But the numbers this year, because of the opponent that the Niners are playing, might be a difficult handicap. Yeah, I'm really disappointed right off the bat for two reasons. One is the game's pick them or close to it. So what's the problem with pick up games? Who's going to have more yards? Uh, I think I'll no make idea. San Fran a tiny favorite. Who's going to win the third quarter? Niners, tiny favorite. Uh, who's going to win the fourth quarter? Niners, tiny favorite. Most first down, Niners, tiny favorite. It's like that Buffalo Wild Wings. Roughing the passer. Roughing the passer. Roughing the he passer. tramples him. Roughing hit the him passer. Hit him low. Hit him high. <laughs> Niners, modest favorite on every single prop that you can imagine that is you know going to parallel the game. First half line, Niners, small favorite. Um, but the dynamics, one thing that the pros love doing 
is betting second half to outscore first half. Now, this goes back to all those Patriot teams that played like in nine Super Bowls and couldn't score at all in the first quarter, but their defense always held their opponents in check. Super Bowls tend to start slow. Teams are cautious. So first quarter under, no score first six minutes. Second half to outscore first half. Second half over. All those were bets pros love to make. Can't do it this year. How can I possibly do it? You know why? Because the Kansas City Chiefs are the antithesis of that. They are much higher scoring in the first half. And you know what? Actually, it's just that their second halves are so low scoring. I think to the tune of like 17 and two to the under year to date, fourth quarter, the same thing. You got to be out of your mind. When the game goes to halftime, Mahomes is the king of the four or even the six minute drill. He once ran out of clock. He had the ball in midfield. There's six and a half minutes left. They never punted. They never gave up the ball. And they got into the red zone. They ran out the clock. Yep. So tick, tick, tick. And Spagnola makes great adjustments at halftime. Yep. The def- defensive coordinator for the Chiefs limiting the other team. It is a, you are absolutely putting your hard-earned bankroll at risk, trying to get there with overs. Look at the Buffalo game. You blink and there was 21 points scored. I know I know. idiot kicker Bass misses the field goal, but even that game went under in the second half. But here's the I, question, I though, Fez. Here's the question. The books know that, too. The totals have been depressed because the Chiefs' defense is great. Do they give us a better number this year than we've gotten in prior years, and does that make it more attractive? So the books have great question. So the books have said, we don't care about the Chiefs being second half under demons. We're going to price this super. We've seen this story enough. The pros always bet us second half to outscore first half, and we're not putting this anywhere close to pick them. So, boom, they went ahead and made the second half minus 160, the first half plus 130. Minus 160. And, but that was light compared to previous years. I mean, th- wow. this thing has been closing like minus 175, minus 180 in prior years. But wow. now, if gun to my head again, hey, I, I would have to bet first half, right? Because, wow. because of Kansas State's propensity, their games towards higher scoring first halves. What do you think, Chris? What do you think, Chris? Anything on this one? Would no, you, would I'm you stay going back and forth. I think I'm kind of I'm in an odd position because I have a heavy Kansas City future, but I took uh, heavy San Francisco money line uh, positions, and I have a, a position on the total that's significant, but I think I like the other side. Uh, so I, I'm wrapped around uh, all different directions, uh, and uh, I'm glad we have extra time uh, for this game for me to. Uh, work my way uh, through the uh, and unwind where I'm sitting with everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah it can is I talk a little shit. about the coin toss? Yeah, I mean, I, it was on my list of things to get to, but if you want to go now, go ahead, bud. Toss you, it you away. Know, Tails never fails. Is that the strategy? I'm, I'm going to put out, yeah, I'm going I'm to put out a, a cautionary tale about don't listen to the talking heads when they talk about prop betting. Um, you know, you talked to Jay Cornegate back when he was at the Imperial Palace. I was, I and others were a thorn in his side before it was cool. Before the Rufus Peabody's of the world came in and started betting three hundred thousand per game on all these props at the Westgate on Thursday night. We, um, I mean, we absolutely specialized in prop betting. And what drove us crazy was when the media would say, "Should we go heads or tails?" And the reason it drove us crazy is obviously. I mean, you're just going, it's like roulette, red, black. I mean, it's just it's yeah. just completely random. Some have, have argued that the coin is not fair and perhaps tails should come up every so slightly more because of the weighting of the coin. But um, is that true? Well, it is true. I don't know. I don't know. Chris um, thinks it's true. 
mm-hmm. can't be a hundred. It's obviously it can't be fifty percent. It's not a fair. It's not a true fair coin. So it's something there. 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 There should be a slight bias, but I don't. I'm not. I don't have possession of the coin being used to to go ahead and simulate <laughs> it. But I can tell you this: as in the lab, like doing like you know toxicology reports on the metal. Type I love of that metal toxicology coin. Funny. Um, but the coin toss where the big edge was is not on the stupid coin landing heads or tails. It's how the coaches would yeah. go ahead, whether now, if you ask me, will they call the the road team heads or tails? Well, that's not random. That's predetermined. So if you, if you get that information, that, that can become a great bet. Also who gets the ball first? Well, we've seen this throughout the playoffs. Most of the teams defer teams now when they the win ball. the coin toss, but <clears throat> teams have gone a little rogue this year or while the Bengals were taking the ball. And then the Packers started taking the Packers ball when they won the, the coin toss. Times. Then the Lions. So how good yep. is that? The Lions, they win the coin toss. They're going to take the ball. The Niners win the coin toss. They're going to defer. Lions are going to get the ball first. So boom, <clears throat> that was like the best bet ever, like in that Sean Payton in the Saints yeah. Super Bowl. Um, the Saints were going to go ahead and get the ball first. It was first. the Seahawks-Broncos one too, because every game that year, the Broncos took the ball, and every game that year, the Seahawks deferred. That was exactly. the big Manning Broncos historic team. So, so as pros, like we would literally bet who's going to get the ball first, and it would be yeah. like the greatest bet of all time. And people, these dumbos, would be debating whether it would land heads or tails. It's just a big <laughs> joke. Who does Clucko the chicken like? Like, 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 literally big joke. You know, it's, it, it, we're not even trying. Where well, this is like the greatest advantage play ever. Um, having said all that, both teams defer. So the only bet that you can make that's good, if you can find, will the coach defer? That he will defer, and I hate to like ask you to like lay you know a thousand to win a hundred, but it's still a good bet. Both coaches yeah. are going to defer. Chris, what's your favorite prop bet for the Super Bowl over the years? Like, uh, you know, it changes one. from year to year. You try to. We actually uh, had the safety or the uh, penalties over a couple of oh, years wow. ago because the 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 crew averaged such an asinine amount of penalties per game. I think we took over nine and a half, and uh, the crew had been giving up like 16 or 17 penalties per game. And I think they fell one short by halftime. I think they were on nine at halftime, and it did go over. But, you know, for me, I, I focus on on uh, the alternate lines. And uh, I like to focus on any props or any wagers that you lay a heavy price because the public beats those down. People want to bet. They don't want to lay vague. They don't want to lay big prices. And so the the a lot of these bets are going to come down in price. Yeah. Over time, they want to take the plus money, you know, on this and on that. So on uh, traditionally on Saturdays and uh, Sunday mornings, I, I'm just uh, uh, taking a lot of heavy juiced uh, bets, whether it's on alternate lines or the props themselves. Uh, I don't get involved like Steve all week long or all two weeks long chasing them down, uh, you know, all day, all night uh, for the various props. I, I Because Saturdays and Sundays become so chaotic, these guys can't keep track of anything. And they are they have so much money coming in anyway, they don't care. So you're going to find stuff that's off. If you haven't done one thing and you start betting the Super Bowl stuff on Saturday, you can be out of money with a hell of a lot of money as a bankroll before the end of the day. And then you'll be regret that you don't have money left over on Sunday morning. Yeah, and you so, even scalps, 
it wouldn't be unusual that you you're, you're going to see like a prop where you can bet plus right. one ten on one side and minus one hundred two yeah. on another side and just lock in you know eight cent middles. Um, you see it all the time. Alternative spreads where like oh Purdue's playing Ohio State and there that total versus number of pass yards for one of the quarterbacks in the first half that they pair those two. And then if they get the total wrong, no one knows what that total is going to be, but then that total actually comes up on that game, that college basketball game. And you're like, well, now it's easy to price. We know exactly what the numbers should be. And oftentimes it's mispriced. My personal least favorite cross sport prop is golf. I hate cross sport golf props. And here's why Jared, you have a really good golfer golfing. What's he going to shoot on Sunday? 68. You have a really mediocre golfer. What's he going to shoot on Sunday? 72. Exactly. So there's just not enough of a difference. It's like, and it's, yeah. so the average good golfer, they're not going to pick a bad golfer unless they pick John Daly. So <laughs> he's going to be, he's going to get lined at 69. Sharp fifth grader can price this. And people like tried. Now it's different if they price how many birdies will he get? Now we can like number birdies for a player versus receptions yeah. for a wide receiver. Now we can have a talk, but if it's just as what he's going to shoot for a round, like that, that's a time burner. Don't even bother. You're never going to find saw anything. I Westgate any- do Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark. I saw Westgate drop a Caitlin Clark one. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of Taylor Swift cross props. The problem is the regulated books probably won't get, you know, activated in time for a Taylor Swift prop, but the offshores obviously um, will. My so here are my two favorites, guys. I have two bets that I make every Super Bowl. The first one is will the game be tied after zero zero? I bet the yes every single year. The second one is the shortest touchdown under one and a half. I bet the under every single year. Um, Twenty one out of the last thirty Super Bowls, Fez have gone under one and a half shortest touchdowns. That is a seventy percent rate. I saw one of the shops here in town minus one forty five on that under one and a half shortest touchdowns bet. I don't know. What do you think about that number? So again, warning, here comes more math danger. Um, get King Yao books. I think it's called like the science of sports betting, it, it, but I could have gotten that title wrong, but it's Y-A apostrophe O King Yao. And he has a little chart and this is cool. And he shows you like what percentage of the time this exact prop is good. Um, and it really comes down to the total. It comes down to the total number of touchdowns that we expect to be scored. So in this case, our total is 47. We expect a little more than three field goals. So we'll take off 10 points. So we'll get 37 points expected from touchdowns. And that would be like right about five, five. a little more than five touchdowns, right? Five, yep. five, five, maybe six touchdowns. It turns out every touchdown has a 85% chance of not being a shorty touchdown meaning it's going to be two or more yards. And they always set shortest touchdown at one and a half. And so you take 0.85 times the number of touchdowns is the probability you don't win this bet. Okay, so um, if there's two touchdowns, 0.85 squared. So it turns out once you get six touchdowns, it flips to a short touchdown being favored. Once you get seven, it becomes a significant favorite. So it's just a math game. If you like the over, a lot of scoring in the game, then there's a real good chance there'll be a one-yard touchdown. If you don't like the over, I would avoid it. So it's correlated heavily with the total of the game. Chris, what do you think about those two props? You can comment on the zero zero. I always like the game being tied after zero zero. It's just like no, an I always. Like both of those. I, yeah. I, I, the, the, Steve mapped it out uh, well there. It, yeah. The, the one and a half is profitable over time, and in the, the in most in a lot of these games, most of them are are do become tied again. Yeah. The other. Uh, uh, the other odd one is the uh, will 
a team score three straight times. Uh, that's, that's another uh, one I see a lot. Yeah, that's the, the pros it, love to lay minus like one fifty five. Yes, there will be three straight scores. The public and Chris nailed this. The public is always looking for the needle in the haystack. They want to yep. bet a little to win a lot. They're wanting yep. wanting to bet pluses. I can tell you, for a typical pro, their portfolio is chock full of minuses. They're betting no overtime minus seven fifty. Um, yep. They're betting they got burned. They bet no safeties and they got clobbered. I don't. I never really like the no safety bet, so I I, yeah. I tend to avoid that. But they avoid. They're betting yes. There's going to be three straight scores. Let me make my case for why yes is typically correct. The Niners just played Detroit in a very close game, three point game. The Niners scored five consecutive times in that game. Yep. Um, low scoring, very close game. Historically, the greatest show on turf, the Rams, Tennessee, tied 16 all. Rams pulled out at the end of the game. In that game, in that low scoring game, not one. Both teams scored three consecutive times. It happens way, way, way more than you think it should. Yeah. Uh, Let's let's get to some questions now. I think we did a good job kind of framing, you know, the market and where we think the the buy points are for both Kansas City and San Francisco. I think we've uh, started to dive into the prop market. Obviously, we'll give out our official selections next week. I gave you a few of the more novelty type props that I like to look at, that these guys like to look at, the cross-board stuff. Let's get into some of your specific uh, viewer questions because I think some of these are great. This one from Scott D is really, really good because what do we know about Bill Vinovich? He's not going to call as many penalties as your average official. Do less penalties help or hurt the under? I think it can be case for both sides because you're letting the defense play as well in addition to the offense. So I don't know if it's kind of tough to gauge whether yes or yes or no penalties help the under uh, on either side. It's a great question. Off the top of my head, I would say that less penalties helps the over. I, I and agree. The re- and the reason being, all right, so you, the defense is mugging some receivers and that can really hurt, but sure. nothing, nothing kills a drive more holding than the dreaded yep. holding. You, you, you run the ball, you pick up four yards, and then you get the 10-yard holding call, and yep. now you're screwed. Now and you're that's the biggest decliner for Vinovich is holding. That's yeah. the penalty he calls the least of all the ones in terms of the average rate of decline from the average official. Yes. And obviously I want to get the long pass interference call, you know, in my favor, but uh, it seems also like a lot of the defensive hold, a lot of the defensive penalties, you simply have to call. Um, they seem to yeah, be more obvious. obvious. Whereas the holding you can call, you can call holding on every play. I mean, there's always, yeah, I mean, literally it's shocking when you look at like the players, they're all getting like, like a, a part of the Jersey and the like. Um, and I talked to a pro offensive lineman. He says he held on every play. They just didn't call it. Like he said, he held on every single play. He was ever in the NFL. Every story single you're, not cheating, you're not trying. It's sorry. My <laughs> intramural basketball life. Like they put me at center. I'm only like six foot. And like literally, all I did was when when the guy I was I was guarding, I held him, him nonstop, yeah. w- except when he had the ball. Then like then then they call foul. Then you as long as you have the yeah. ball, yeah, whatever it took. Chris, what do you think? Less penalties? I, I agree with Fez. I, I think less penalties is over. I think there's more holding than there is PI called these days. Yeah, well, you, you're going to have fewer drives that uh, get stalled. You're going to have fewer punts. Uh, you're going to have. Uh, so those are the things that you have to consider there. I haven't done a, yeah. an in-depth uh, look at it, uh, but now that it's been brought up, I'm going to take a look at it and see what comes Interesting. up. Interesting. 
All right. The other good question I saw here was a little bit more bigger picture. Um, talking about hedging um, futures. This is from Damon Edwards. It's for you, Chris. H- how do you handle hedging if you have a future? So a lot of people, right? Like, and I've been in this spot before. It's the last game of the season. You have a pending future. It is for this team to win. Depending on what those odds are, I, I think it's kind of tough to give advice because everyone, every hedging situation is different, right, Chris? What's your stance on hedging and 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 if it's kind of a I, like the the question by Damien to me makes a whole lot of sense. I think live betting a hedge makes more sense to me than pre-flop. Well, yeah, let me say a few things on this. Uh, first of all, the. 2025 futures are already out. We've got baseball. We've got uh, other futures out there. And a lot of people like to take these pot shots at these really long shots and think that they can easily hedge their way out once it gets to the playoffs. And that's not the case at all. If If you've got a team that's not supposed to do something getting in that situation, it's not easy to hedge your way out because they're going to be such big underdogs. So how are you how are you going to do that betting the other side? You have to get very creative to get unwind yourself from that situation. So something to consider before you you throw too many darts at those long shot yeah. futures. It's a good it's a good advice. As far as the the hedging I spent uh I must have spent 30 hours uh actually working on my Kansas City to win the AFC hedge last week. I I ended up with about 25, 26 different bets uh, against it. But the important thing about hedging is there's there's a couple of things. You don't want to really do it unless the hedge itself is in itself a good wager. You don't just hedge for the sake of hedging. Uh, you, you don't want to give up value. You want that hedge to be of value by itself. So that's one thing you want to do is try to search for opportunities where that's the case. Me personally, I don't want to buy back and use a hedge in a manner that I can't win. So if I've got AFC to win the game, I'm not buying Baltimore at the money line. There's no way in hell that I'm going to reduce my investment and guarantee profit uh, without the opportunity to have used some sort of a point spread differential where I could have uh, won both. And I did. And I put myself in the exact position I wanted to be. If Baltimore had scored that touchdown instead of pumping in a field goal, I would have hit the mother load. That's exactly where I wanted to be. And uh, because I had it hedged with a lot of different Baltimore plus three and a half alt line teasers or parlays, uh, plus four and a half, plus five and a half. And if you're uh, really paying careful attention at halftime, you have a team that's up by 10. They're laying four and a half at the half. You take Kansas City for all for a lot because if Kansas City loses that second half, more than likely you're going to be in a position where you're hitting that one, two, three part. So you can actually protect your hedges also. And the worst thing that I ever did, I, 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 I'm really in the penalty box. The final drive, the in-game betting, had Kansas City minus three and a half. I could have just went all in, bet every single dollar. There was no way to lose because they either score the touchdown and the mother load of your hedge with the Baltimore one, two, three hits, or even if Jackson throws a pick six, you win. It doesn't matter. You have Kansas City minus three and a half. So a hedge, not only can you hedge head, you know, use a hedge to hedge your bet, but you can hedge the hedges 
Uh, hedge so the hedges. It can get really complicated. Yeah, you're going down a deep well of inception there, Fez. What do you think about hedging? Okay, let me caveat this. I, I believe strongly I have an advantage over everyone else because I have drafted a chapter in what will be my book one day on this very topic. All right? So I'm going to pull back the curtain, and let me say this. Hedges, I agree with Chris. I don't like making negative expectation bets. I, I abhor it. But you can bet when you're betting the Super Bowl, if you if you have betting exchanges, you're laying like minus one. If you have enough outs, you're laying minus one one. It's basically or minus one two. It's basically free to make hedges. You're you you're 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 paying pennies on the dollar, so your transaction costs are so small. So warning, here comes the math. All right. I don't feel even if it's non-life-changing numbers, I don't feel it's a good idea for you to suddenly magically be betting 10 times more than what you normally are betting. And in fact, I would say you you need to limit what your risk is. So let's say, example, let's say you have a $1,000 bet on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, to win 10,000. You got 10 to 1. That's an $11,000 swing. That's the same as betting 5,500 on the Chiefs on the money line to win 5,500. I know it's not, but it is. Yes, RJ Gua, more math. That's what I'm best at. That's what we're going to focus on here. So you so you say, oh, no, I only bet 1,000, Fez. I'm like, no, you didn't. Sorry, you basically, you have an $11,000 swing. It's like betting 5,500 to win 5,500. So because of that, if you want to hedge it completely, you're going to have to bet $5,000 approximately yep. on the Niners to hedge it completely. Now, you don't need to hedge it approximately all the way. Now, you could say, well, I normally bet 1000 per game. All right, you bet 1000 per game. You normally have like a $2,000 swing. Well, now you got an $11,000 swing. Let's limit that $11,000 swing. So now, if you hedge $4,000, and, and, and I would never hedge the whole way unless it was a positive expectation bet, but like I would hedge partially. That's good advice so right there. So I think it's... It seems to me like, hey, let's not have an eleven thousand dollars swing. Let's make it a five thousand dollars swing. That's like two and a half times bigger than our biggest, our typical bet size. That seems about right. So, boom! I'm going to bet twenty five hundred. I'm going to shop for San Fran. I'm not going to lay two and get cute and get middled. So, I have to play the money line when I play the San Fran side. And in this case, I bet twenty five hundred, shop, I get like a minus one twenty one or whatever I could. And that way, I'm still rooting for Kansas City. I maintain my Kansas City position, but. I've taken some money off the table, so I don't have this enormous swing compared to my normal game when I'm betting it. And I'm not making this my biggest um, decision of the year. Now, it gets a little tricky. Let's say you got futures on San Francisco. Now, you got a little bit more flexibility. Now, obviously, you could do the pure edge where you just take Kansas City plus the dollar eighteen, right? Or what you could do is say, well, let me price it out. I can take a little of my bet on the money. I can also take plus two, all right? And now I can win both ways. And which one should I do? You know, I, I hash out the math and I basically have, have said it's worth about 20 cents, the difference between taking a two and playing the money line. What do I mean by that? If you tell me I can play plus two, lay 105, or I can play plus 115. So obviously that's a 20 cent different in, difference in juice. I am indifferent between those two outcomes. Now let's say it, at my books, I shop them everywhere. The best I can do is plus two, lay 105. But... Uh, on the money line, get plus one twenty on Kansas City. That's twenty five cents better. Twenty, I would. I put it all on the money line on my hedge bet. So 
So plus, so that that you we weren't even talking about this, but you brought us back to a very important qualifier. By the way, I'll do a follow up on the hedging. I think the best thing that came out of this hedging conversation is says when you say never hedge the whole way if it's a minus EV bet. That is always something I struggle with, and a lot of people in my position that don't have your brain struggle with. That is a very good piece of advice. If you want to highlight one thing. And a very funny comment from uh, someone in here. I, Marcus, Marcus Eric, I, I got a hedge. A hedge. That's a great, great comment. I'm trying to simplify it for you. I think the best advice from that conversation is if it's a minus EV bet, you should feel absolutely safe hedging to reduce your swing, but don't hedge the full way. I think exactly. that is probably the most actionable um, advice from that conversation. Another piece of actionable advice that Fez just kind of stumbled onto that I was thinking of that I was going to ask maybe next week, but I guess I can ask it now, plus two or money line. It, it feels like a little asymmetric risk, guys, because if it goes up to plus two and a half, all right, no big deal. Or if it goes down to plus one and a half, all right, no big deal. But that money line price you think is plus 120, Fez, that you think the money line is worth it? Uh, it's 20 cents is is the differential between the 20 two. 20 cents, so, okay. So, so ba- basically, yeah, and, and, and by the way, the media gets, uh, this frustrates me because oh, I'm a professional better and, and I, I'm nothing special. I talk with the geeks over it unabated and they punch it into their calculator and, they, and, and they'd say, yeah. Fezzik is wrong. It's 19.2 cents or 20.7 cents. I'm back of the envelope in my calculations here, but it's approximately 20 cents such that I let I let my books decide. If I'm going to bet Kansas City, literally, I, I shop for the best number on the spread, the best number on the money line, and I will take the one that's mathematically better. So, by example, if the best I can do is like a plus 117, but I can get Kansas City at plus two, uh, lay minus 100, I'm like, oh, I'm only getting a, a bonus of 17 cents on the money line. I need it to be 20 cents better. I'm going to take the plus two minus 100. But in the same scenario... If, if now the best I could do was plus two lay 105, I'm like, oh, I'm getting 22 cents better playing the money line. Yeah. It's only it's worth 20 cents. Boom, I'm firing the money. Line. I do the same with college basketball. I do the same with NBA. It's not. And, and every other person. I, different. So, so you're pricing the two points between pick them and plus two as 20 cents. Yes. And so everyone else out there gives. And frankly, this is what happens when you have people that are. They're not pro, pro sports, but they're just guessing. They're, they're not just, math just people, guess. though. They're not I, actuaries. That's the difference. Well, they're that's the, that, they, they, spent, they didn't waste eight years of their life studying all right. this math. Exactly. But the thing is, you don't have to do the math. It's like blackjack. You can just know I have a seven. The dealer has a nine. I hit because the books tell me to do. Yeah. And, and then the books will lay this all out for you. You can, you can look up the charts. Like I said, Unabated does it the best that I know of. Um, and just, just follow the chart. And as opposed to, you hear this all the time, people say, Oh, when, 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 when choosing between the two, I will always take the money line or I will always take the points. Both answers are egregiously wrong. No, you take, you take the best mathematical value. Price. Chris, do you agree with that price there? So if the chiefs are plus two, but the money lines plus plus one twenty-five, I should be hammering chiefs money line. Cause it's a 25 cent difference. Well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but for my personal preference, I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to wash out without being able to win. Uh, I'm gonna. My focus is. I have to hedge a Kansas City to win the uh, the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah. So I'm not. I wouldn't take a zero to two uh, because there's just not enough probability of uh, you know making a difference. I'm I'm going to find alternate line value, which there was. Uh, there was 25 cent differences on the alternate lines uh, yeah. two days ago when I looked. 
Uh, on your so, example, Jared, you said plus two versus plus one twenty-five. So a plus two lay a dollar ten is a terrible bet versus a oh, plus yeah, one twenty-five. That's, 50, right. that's only a fifteen that's cent. 30, that's a thirty-five cent. Yeah, straddle. thirty-five cent difference. Sorry, yeah, one the other way. And yeah. so yeah. that would be a and and it just just by the other example, like you would never want to bet, and people do this all the time. You would never want to take like a San Fran and take them. You know, um, minus, minus one forty on a money line. Lines, minus one twenty-five or something. Yeah, you well, you never would want to pay thirty, and people would a lot. I see this a lot. People will play minus one forty on a money line versus laying minus two, two minus a dollar ten, and so they're paying Got thirty it. cents for for you know for those those two points. And it's just not worth it. And I'm gonna honestly, that, I'm gonna I wrote this down like so. I have a list of like isms from these two guys that I've tallied over the course of this twenty-one week journey. Um, that that's that one's highlighted and starred because I always struggle with the price difference between like a plus two, plus one and a half, or money line. Like like wait like what like what's the difference there? And it looks like based on where this game's going to be traded, we are going to have to make that decision throughout multiple points this week where we'll vary between plus two, plus one and a half, and where the money line price is because we might get like a flow of money that messes with the money line price. But the spread price doesn't change until later or vice versa, where the spread price changes and the money line price maybe trickles down. So having that gauge of numbers, I think, is really important to help you frame um, the market. That was uh, that was very helpful. Chris, do you want to follow up on that before we move on to the next question? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, the, the, my only differences are that uh, I'm, I'm weaving alternate lines in and there is value yeah. to be found. But it's it's just a more it's more difficult for the average person to be able to do. Steve and I are fortunate enough to have 20 plus outs at any given time, <laughs> plus a network of friends. So yeah. we're always going to have the best lines available some way, somehow. So we have a little bit of a different perspective where uh, it makes a, a little bit of a difference or all the difference in the world, quite frankly. So you have yeah. to, you have to know what your, uh, what your access is and uh, you have to know your values. All right, off topic for a minute here. A couple good kind of random questions that are non-Super Bowl related. Um, Wavy Womack, this one, I feel like Wavy's asked some good questions over, over the season. Um, this one feels like it's right up both your guys' alleys. Uh, which sports book would you recommend contests for the upcoming season? I know we got a long way to go, but it feels like a good off-topic one. Any uh, contests that you I, – I, I cashed in the uh, Golden Nugget contest this year. Tim Murray and I were top six or tied for sixth. Had a nice little cash there. I like that one. It's smaller, a little more cozy. Obviously, Circa's the big boy. What do you guys think? Number one is overlay. Um, you want overlays. So Circa Millions had like a, a, a yeah. I guarantee for 6,000 entries and they only had 5,200. That trumps everything. So sure. that would be my go-to spot. Having Draft um, Dumbo, too. Uh, mm. Dumbo contestants is fantastic. So all things being equal, if I can be in a DraftKings, uh, apologies to the state of Iowa. But if, if if I can if I can compete against like only people from Iowa and it, like <laughs> in, in, in a contest, that's my kind the of Iowa contest. People are going to come after you, Fez, for that. That's, there you go. Uh, it's, it's um, if you're a college and pro expert, the Golden Nugget is excellent because it, yeah, it it's one of those rare one. contests that has both of those sports incorporated. Yes. Um, I also love contests where, um, they, I get a, a time advantage, meaning the proxies say you need to put in your picks by Friday, but my deadline's Saturday at 4 PM or 11 PM. So I get to play with literally 24 extra hours of information of advan advantage to the player. 
I never thought of that. Chris, is that is that factored in for you with contests? You're in town, you get an extra day on the proxies. That's an interesting one. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's uh, that's always a, a little, but you know that that can backfire too because I've had years sure. where my like la, like not this year that just ended, but last year my my uh, super book uh, record was horrible, even though I had an extra seven hours of information yeah. uh, available to me. So it made no sense, but. Uh, it's important to, for me, I think it's better to spend more money in contests with fewer people uh, because the more people that are involved, you yeah. can't fight the variance. There will always be based, Chris money makers. How people are in. But if you have 3,000, 4,000 people in, in uh, you know, when you have 5,000 in Circa, you're guaranteed to have 70% as the winner. Uh, you 100%. have to hit 70% and good luck on that. Yeah, this that's why I like controver- This will be controversial. If you have like a bankroll of five thousand dollars, I'm not a big believer in the peanut butter approach. Don't make it a job where it's like every forty five freaking minutes I've got a different contest deadline that I've got to go ahead and figure out what to yeah. do with the Westgate and then the Gold yeah. Nugget and then the Millions and then the Circus Survivor and I've got one entry in each. You know what? I would. I would. I would play four millions and I'd play one survivor and all the, de- yep. the deadline is 4 PM on a Saturday because we've seen this tried and true that people with jobs that get busy, miss deadlines and they yep. just can't devote time and they have family emergencies to have, yep. try to have one deadline, all things being equal. If, you, if you're not like a professional contest player, um, the circus perfect every Saturday, 4 PM, I will say this from just a pure, not expectation perspective, but enjoyment perspective, Survivor is the greatest thing totally in the history agree. of the world. The Circus Survivor, nine point three million. It's like we, it's like to hedge too, right? Easiest Pardon? to hedge. Easiest to hedge too. Easiest so to hedge. And you know how easy is the hedge? All you gotta do is contact me. Say, Fez. Yeah. Um, my entry is worth fifty thousand dollars. You want to buy ten percent of it for yep. four thousand? Sure. You know, it's like you're gonna take a haircut. I'm not gonna give you five thousand for it. But 80 cents on the dollar, absolutely. And ultimately, that's what I did with um, L.A. Jones this past year and wound up with a 16% share. And he got more advice on who he should take than he's ever going to want to have the rest of his life, the last five weeks of Circus Survivor. You should just become a consultant. Both of you, I think, in your later years, instead of this content grind, you have to do shows and be on camera all the time. Just do the the consultant route, right, where you just get paid to... Give your advice I, without I having a ton of people reach out to me, but uh, I'm never going to help them out with uh, telling them what to pick. I'll always, okay. I'll always give them questions that they need to ask themselves so that they can come to their own conclusions. Because I think it's a bad idea if you're going to reach out and expect somebody to hand you a team or, or uh, something of, of that nature, because uh, you know you're subconsciously looking for somebody else to blame. Uh, yeah. What you need to be able to do is just a little gentle nudge to evaluating what games to rule out, which games might be good that you want to try to find a way to be involved in. And and, and uh, you get people to think on their own and eliminate or add appropriately within their own thought process. Well, you know, that's what's interesting your is, is I completely disagree me. with this. It's like I would like nothing better if I make the World Series of Poker November 9, you know, the final nine, to get Phil Ivey to play every single poker hand for me. 
and like just shut up, Fez. Phil, tell me what to do. You're the, you know, you're you're the best at this. And so the idea of and ultimately Chris is right. You've got a guy that's done better than me if he's in contention over the course of that year. But the bottom line is that you're in the long run, you're just going to do better. You've got to recognize that, hey, you ran better than God, probably. And you and you made some really good selections. But um, I'm better off having a professional actually make my picks for me down the road. But the problem is psychologically. I think we might have lost Fez there. He was talking so I know. fast. But you know what? I, just, I, for me, just burned through his bandwidth. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Put a ball on this. He's used a lot of bandwidth this show. <laughs> <laughs> he really has. <laughs> but you guys are getting mad when I talk too much. Get some more but, comments on Fez here in the chat. Come on. The, the number one most important thing to me when these people reach out is that they are all panicked, and I don't want them to get out of their element, so to speak. they I don't yeah. want them to change anything uh, because I think it's the worst thing in the world is to consult somebody that's not on a roll. Why do you want to disrupt your flow? I mean, it's, it's okay to ask yeah. for some strategic advice and stuff like that, but I always tell people, listen, you're manic. Stop, slow down. What did you do three weeks ago? Go back to that, those habits and that structure of how you outlined, you laid out your week and, and, and just push out the noise. Stop thinking about it and just be you. And, and, and uh, people have had a lot of success doing that. It's been uh, good results. Well, you, I, I've said this to multiple people in our space and on this podcast many times. Like the, the biggest reason why I've had a successful season, little variance, right? Little good luck. But I have two really smart people that I get to and multiple others that have been nice enough since we've started to do this. Friends of yours, pros in the industry, local people here in Vegas that have reached out to me and given me advice on how to play certain things. And the the network of brain power at your disposal, it's more than just who are you on this week? Like like that is cheap. Like that's everywhere. But the process that these guys give you and how their brains work and how the hamster wheel spins. All right, Fez, you're back. I'll give you one last chance um, to tie a bow on this before we say farewell for the day. I think you need to measure your expectation versus your enjoyment. You know what? Um, I, I live on a golf course. I never jump over my fence and start screaming at people. You're losing golfing this <laughs> to, to, today. Um, ultimately, it's... How much fun is the contest? Do you need to go down there and put in your picks in person? Is it a grind? Yeah. Or is I think we're still having some connection problems with Fez. All right, let's let's wrap but this no, thing up. No, I agree with what his point was going to be. Is manager your ahead of time? You need to realize yes. you're making a serious commitment, and it becomes inordinately invasive it's it's certain parts of the year around totally the holidays agree. unexpected uh, weather events uh technology issues a, a lot baby, of come into play sick. all of that stuff yeah. we we're we're fortunate i'm fortunate that i do this for a living not bet but do betting content so i am always around it and sometimes i struggle with giving picks at weird times like two in the morning you know, because I know 99% of my audience is sleeping, you know, but I do, I'm off doing this. So I, I think those types of expectations, you know, are, are important to gauge. 
right. Are we doing – I think we are going to do a golden ticket giveaway. I'm not sure if we are or not. I have not gotten um, official confirmation, especially now with Steve gone. I guess we've kind of narrowed – It's my the- week to win. It is your – yeah. Well, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's obviously a the week deal. that Fezzik's not here in the chat. That's when you're going to win. Trust me. It's my ticket week. It's your, it's your week. All right. How about this? Anyone who picked Las Vegas Chris to win, if the, you are in the chat, you should get the free entry into the top. I'm just going to make the executive decision that if you pick <laughs> Las Vegas Chris in the chat, you should just DM um, BetUS and you will get a free entry into the tough – Drop challenge. All right, Steve, you're back. I'm not gonna let you speak because every time you talk, you go away. Let's just do the uh, let's do the golden ticket here. Um, let's see which one of us is gonna win the golden ticket this week. It's got to be Chris after all this uh, hoopla back and forth. If it's not Chris, I am going to give it to Chris because this man deserves a win. He had the Lions game in his sights last week. They were a breath away from the Super here Bowl. We go. Yeah, like this is guys. Come on, it, it was like a two dollar favorite for Chris to win it this week. Um, all right, so great stuff. Uh, I saw a couple other questions in the chat that were very specific game questions like final score prediction and a little more market stuff. If you want the market insights about the game, scroll back to earlier in the video. We actually even gave you the prices that this is going to be traded in the window, and we don't think it's going to deviate from that. We will give our final score predictions next week. We will give out our official plays next week. Of course, the game is not going to be played this Sunday. You should not be in a rush, at least at this stage, to go crazy unless um, you think you've got a great edge on a certain number. In fact, based on the advice of this show, might be a good idea to wait. Let all that plus money grabbers go hunting for the market. It's, and then it's all about the Pro Bowl at this Sunday. point. It's all yeah, about exactly. It's it's the it's yeah it's the right it's all about all about the Pro Bowl at this point. All right, um, for Steve Fezzik, pregame.com for Las Vegas, Chris. Um, oh, there you go, right there, RJ Guha. Sorry about that. I got that. Uh, Chris is my Carolina. How about that, Chris? You got the ticket this time. Um, RJ, DM uh, BetUS. You have to have an account, and you'll get your free uh, your free uh, entry into the Tough Truck Challenge. But again, for Steve Fezzik at uh for Las Vegas Chris, uh, I am Jared Smith. Um, oh, yeah, actually, no. Yeah, we do have one bet. There you go. Sorry, I didn't know we actually had an official wager this week. There you go, Fez. You got your plus two on the board there. So I'll stop... Uh, Saying goodbye, I'll let you comment on that. Chiefs yeah, two. so I, obviously you don't need to bet this right away, but I thought let's go ahead and give. It certainly, I, I made the Chiefs a modest favorite, so I'm going to take plus two, and sure. you know, for with the team that's been frankly not the better team during the regular season, obviously, but the much better team in the playoffs. Yeah. All right, so that's where we're at. Um, Fez does have that early position on Chiefs plus two, but uh, we will do our full. Um, uh, selections next week. I'll give you my full card. I'll tell you every prop that I'm betting. Um, it's usually pretty robust. I have fun with it. Usually I, you know, decrease my unit size by significant 50% or so. And I like to bet a lot of degenerate props because it's the last game of the year. And I like to have a lot of fun. Um, hey, but for these three gentlemen, to pay his internet bill, but for before next week, I hope so. If not, we're going to limit you per word, Steve. So you might not make it past halfway if you uh, if you continue uh, if you continue on that pace. Um, all right, let's uh, let's let's wrap this up. We will reconvene next week. Um, for all of us here on our BetUS staff behind the scenes, all did a great job this year. We'll have one more show next week, and then we'll do some sporadic stuff during the off season. For the most part, we'll um, very well next week as as we give out our final picks, final predictions, final selections for the Super Bowl. So for our team here, um, we will see you then.